Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org T's and C's apply Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport with me Sam Matterface the former Benfica and Chelsea and West Ham poster boy Scott Minto and TalkSport transfer guru Alex Crook Takeover talk intensifies at United Liverpool up the intensity and Antonio Conte questions the English propensity to put the managers and not the chairman in front of the media. Yeah, that's a good idea. All the previews to the midweek and weekend action are here. It's the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. And just a wee little note at the start of the podcast. If you've uh, downloaded this and it's Thursday morning or Friday morning or Saturday morning and you where's my preview to the weekend? Just fast forward, like seven minutes or something like that. Uh, we're going to do Crystal Palace, Manchester United and Manchester City Spurs first. And then we'll do all the weekend games. It's quite a congested week. Uh, Crystal Palace against Manchester United is live on TalkSport on Wednesday night. Scott Minto is here. Hello, how are you? I'm very good, Sam. And even feeling even better after that um, introduction. Thank you. Right, mate, mate, listen, listen. We're just going to make you feel wanted, make you feel loved, make you feel part of the family. I think you are part of the family now. You, you're sort of our, you're our star player now. Since Darren Lewis walked off into the sunset, you're basically now our, you're our, you're our head honcho. You're our number one. Until Kevin Hatchard gets here on Monday, you're our number one. I, I choose to look at the positive side of that and not the fact I've come off the bench for Darren. <laughs> to be fair, listen, <laughs> listen, that's good for you. That's good. You know, just, 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 you know, it's all about levels. Scott. Just to be part uh, of you, Sam and Crookie is, you know, it makes my day. <laughs> um, uh, the, uh, the newborn rat is still here. Hello. You're right. The newborn rat. I'm good. I, actually, it's growing back the beard, and I've had a haircut, so I think it, I don't know if that makes it look better or worse. I'll let you be the judge, Sam, because you. I are. can't see. There's like a little uh, pop-up thing on my screen today, which is over your face again for the second time this week doing the podcast. So I can't. I cannot see you. I don't even know what you look like. All I can see is your little bald chin. <laughs> and and also, what what I would say is, I mean, at what level are we starting from? I mean, an improvement is an improvement, <laughs> but where are we starting from? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a pretty like, low bar. It's like, it's like Wolverhampton Wanderers in front of goal, isn't it? You know, uh, <laughs> they're the lowest scorers in the Premier League. Yeah, but they've scored three times in the last four matches. Come on, <laughs> uh, things are getting better. It doesn't usually happen like this anywhere else, but it happens here in the fabulous Premier League. Rashford points it home. Manchester United have turned it around. Manchester is simply red again. You'll never win a title in, in January. We are in the right direction. What a counter-attacking goal from Crystal Palace. City's chances of even retaining their title are looking slimmer by the match. What you have to do is be better and better and better to win this, in this league. Harry Kane has just absolutely 
absolutely pierced the atmosphere at the Etihad. Liverpool utterly atrocious, sensational Brighton 3, dismal Liverpool 0. So when things don't go well, everything, the view on us is different. There is no mistake from Kai Havertz. Chelsea off and running. You won't get closer to the action anywhere else. Right, let's turn our attention to Crystal Palace against Manchester United. Jim Ratcliffe is going to try and buy the club. Apparently, he's entered the formal bidding process to try and take a huge controlling stake in Manchester United. The Glazers want between four and five billion for the club. Um, Jim Radcliffe's got a lot of money. Has he got enough money to take over the club outright? And and, and where are we with this bidding process? Because as far as I understand it, he's not going to be the only one that submits a bid to reign the merchant bankers by the middle of February. No, we're at the very early stages, Sam. And um, I think just judging by the way that you've sold it there, you feel the same as me, that maybe even with his incredible personal wealth, Jim Ratcliffe maybe doesn't have quite enough money uh, to take over Manchester United. Certainly, when his name was linked with a takeover, when news first emerged during the World Cup, the Glazers were willing to sell. That was the impression I got from speaking to people uh, close to the deal and close to the club. I think there's going to be interest from the Middle East. There'll be interest from America. So this is very much the start of the process. But I think it's a step in the right direction. You know, the Glazers are serious about selling the football club. We know that the Rain Bank, who are handling the sale, uh, want it to be done and dusted by the end of the first quarter of the year. That might be a little bit optimistic because I think takeovers um, these days can take a bit longer. Certainly the process from the Premier League to ratify potential owners is not an overnight thing, as Bournemouth found out with Bill Foley. So uh, I still think the chances of United being fully taken over by the end of this season, uh, pushing it a little bit, but it is going to happen. And certainly by the time the new season comes around, I think there will be new owners at Manchester United and the future will be looking a lot brighter. Well, the future's been looking a lot brighter on the pitch thanks to a terrific run of form. They haven't been beaten at home since September. Uh, they've lost uh, one of the last 19 games in all competitions, Scott. They've been particularly impressive under Eric Ten Hag. Um, we spoke a lot about him in the earlier week's podcast. But one of the things we didn't really touch on was his decision to play Luke Shaw at centre-back. Let's hear from him talking about that now. It is a big decision, but I think when you analyse the profile of Haaland, when you analyse also in the combination with De Bruyne, I think it was the right decision uh, because he has the physical power uh, to compete with them. And he has uh, also the uh, tactical uh, view to make the right decisions and he has the technical skills as well to play in that position. So I think to, for today it matched really well, but I think on, in other games he can contribute even more on the left uh, in, in a wide position. So uh, we can see it's a, it's a tactical choice and we can see from game to game what we need. And that I think we have more players in our squad who, um, who have that capacity to be multifunctional and we can uh, use as a weapon in games. Scott, as a left-back, how easy would it have been for you to move from left-back into centre-half? Well, And Mark Erling Haaland? Being the six-foot-four um, person <laughs> that I am, easy. No, no. I mean, I, I did actually play centre-half, but in a, in a three. And you yeah. can do that because it's, it's, you know, you can use your brain, you can uh, sort of watch the game. And I, what I can tell you is uh, left-wing-back took years off my career. So I, I could have played at left centre half. But the bottom line is to play in a back four. Um, and I, as you say, against Haaland and Manchester City, that's a big call. The people that he's left on the bench, and yet he's trusting Luke Shaw to play at centre half and then Malassia at left back. That's a massive call because, and, and I have to say, 
I thought Luke Shaw was superb. I thought Bruno Fernandes was really good because he was playing in different positions. I'd like to mention Wabasaka as well because he's had a lot of criticism since he's been wearing a, a United shirt. And I thought he was very good on the ball, not just as a defender. And if you watch that equaliser, it starts from Wabasaka. Um, but, but Luke Shaw playing the centre, it's not easy. I think it's slightly easier against the Manchester City because they're not necessarily going to just knock the ball, pump it up. If you're playing against Brentford, then I think it would be would be a, a different ball game. But look, he read the game. He's strong. He's maybe not the tallest, but he, he won a lot of balls in the air as well. He, he's a six sensational player. There you go. Six, so, foot, he, six, six, six foot one on his CV, a bit like Jordan Pickford's six foot one on his CV. Um <laughs> Uh, four, four defeats in five for Crystal Palace. Um, we'll give Crookie the opportunity to uh, take down Patrick Vieira, who he's fired three times since he uh, signed at Selhurst Park. Go on. They just seem to me like a club not really going anywhere. Uh, Darren Ambrose was talking about this on the boot room on Sunday. They're probably going to finish 13th, 14th. I think they finished in that position last season. I feel a little bit of sympathy, actually, for Patrick Vieira because he hasn't really been backed in the transfer market. Palace, I think I'm correct in saying, yet to sign a player this month. They're interested actually in Wan-Bissaka, but they won't pay the £25 million. I don't think that Manchester United would want to sell him. That's if Eric Ten Hag does still want to sell him, given, as Scott said, his recent good form. They're interested in bringing Conor Gallagher back as well. But again, at the moment, I think he'll stay at Chelsea. So um, they're too good to go down, Palace, but they're certainly not good enough to trouble the European places. And you say I've sacked him five times. I was told at the back end of last season, it took me by surprise, it took you by surprise, that maybe the Palace owners weren't overly impressed with the job that Patrick Vieira had done. They felt that maybe he could have achieved more in the league. And I guess that will be the same case this season as well. Well, absolute nonsense. Um, uh, Scott, um, the, the reason I say absolute nonsense is because you will remember as someone closely associated with Charlton, it's very easy to get into this mode where you go, oh, God, we're, uh, we're 13th again. Oh, it's difficult. It's not, where's the ambition? We're not getting into Europe. And then all of a sudden you start trying to have delusions of grandeur, change the manager, change the modus operandi. All of a sudden you find yourself in the third tier. It's not, it's not, it, 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 it's not a bad season if Crystal Palace stay in the league. That is the first port of call, right? Am I wrong here? Am I am I lacking ambition? Sam, you're absolutely spot on, although you did give me a bit of stick last week for saying the same thing. Um, I think you right. even chucked out my Twitter handle as well for Palace fans. And and what what, what my my opinion is, look, Charlton Palace, Char- they're the similar size clubs. You honestly, you're absolutely spot on. You only have to look at Charlton to see where they are, mid table, third tier of English football to say that Crystal Palace are riding the wave at the moment. And I've looked at their fixtures coming up. You know, they've lost four of the last five in the league. Manchester United twice. Newcastle. Then there's Brighton, which we know is a big game. Brentford away. Liverpool at home. That takes them to the end of February. March doesn't look any easier. Things might get worse before they get better. And honestly, you know what I think about Patrick Vieira. I think he's Arsenal's next manager, if he's given time. Whenever that will be, we'll have to wait and see. I think he's a really good up-and-coming manager, if that, that's the right phrase, that just needs to realise, people need to realise that if they end up finishing 15th this season, okay, that's not great, but then we try and build on that. And Crookie touched on the fact that he's not been given money to spend. He, he puts exciting players in important positions, and I just think he needs to be given time. And uh, I think, as I say, things will get worse before they get better with his fixture list. But stick with him and, and please, Palace fans, 
stick with the club. Yeah, they uh, pushed Chelsea uh, on Sunday 1-0. They ended up losing that game, but it was not convincing from Chelsea by any stretch of the imagination. But Palace have taken just three points from nine matches against top half teams this season. They scored only five goals in those fixtures. Uh, United have won five of their last seven matches to nil, which sort of underscores the fact that they are built on a very solid defence. And by the time we get to Thursday night live on TalkSport, they could be above Manchester City in the table. Uh, Manchester City Spurs live and exclusive on TalkSport Thursday night. Massive game. Two sides on the wrong end of derby results at the uh, weekend. And uh, Manchester City and Liverpool, they both sort of say, suffering from the same thing, Crook. That sort of blip burnout, that, that idea uh, that uh, they've just been taken to the world too many times and all of a sudden they're just now drying up a little bit. Um, <clears throat> maybe. I think certainly in, in, in Liverpool's case, Yes. Although they were very good, by the way, on Wednesday night, Liverpool. I thought the, the, the much-changed team added a lot of energy to that, and we'll get to that in just a second. Yeah, I agree with you on that, although I, th- I thought Wolves were disappointing personally. But in terms of Manchester City, I think it's more about the change of style, the fact that they've had to deviate from what they've always done under Pep Guardiola because you've got Erling Haaland, this goal machine who doesn't necessarily contribute too much off the ball. A bit of a luxury player um, in many ways. So I think they're still finding their feet with him. Um, which sounds ridiculous when you look at the number of goals that he has scored, but when he isn't scoring, he's not actually adding much to the team. So I, I don't necessarily think he's fatigued in terms of Manchester City, although there are certain players, actually, who I think have underperformed this season. You look at Jao Cancelo, by the way, who was possibly the best fullback in the world last season. He's not managed to hit those heights to such an extent that maybe he's not guaranteed a place in the team. I think, obviously, they've had issues at centre-back, although I've got to give a shout-out to Nathan Ake. I think he's been excellent um, this season when he's had to step in for the likes of Diaz. And Stone, so it's a work in progress with Manchester City. I also think if if maybe I'm reading too much into Pep Guardiola's comments after they got knocked out of the League Cup, he said, "I don't care about the League Cup, don't care about the Premier League." Was this after the Manchester Derby? Actually, although he said that's me after the Manchester Derby, yeah. I think he really wants to win the Champions League. That's what this team is geared up for this season, and I think that's their their main focus now. I don't care about the Carabao Cup. I don't care about the Premier League. I thought that was. I thought flippant. I was flippant in the extreme. I thought it was completely unnecessary. And he was in a right old cob on Saturday. Yeah, okay. He said, I know what it's like when I come here. It was it was sort of almost suggesting that when you come to Old Trafford, you never get a decision. I've been here with Barcelona. I've been here with Manchester City. I think he was referring to another decision that went against them a couple of years ago. Although he wasn't, he's never sort of completely transparent about what he's talking about. He sort of almost talks in pep code sometimes. And you have to, me and John Murray from the BBC were standing in the tunnel afterwards, trying to pick through, replaying what he'd said and trying to pick through, what does he mean here? Is he talking about McTominay goal in 2021? What what, what, what is he going on about? Uh, because he doesn't necessarily tell you exactly what he's thinking. He just sort of talks with this sort of, you know, forked tongue. But anyway, that's for another day. Uh, someone who definitely doesn't talk with forked tongue is uh, Antonio Conte. He's very transparent about what he thinks, and this is him ahead of the game, uh, calling for the hierarchy of clubs to also have to face the media and be held to account, just like clubs do in Italy. In England, I think there is a bad habit that there is only the coach to speak and to explain. I have never seen the medical department to come here to explain why this... uh, a uh, player uh, uh, is having a difficulty to recover. Uh, it's the same also, I, I never seen uh, 
the, 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 the club uh, or sporting director to, to come here and to explain the strategy, the, the vision of, of the club. is in England, because in Italy, for example, in, in Italy, every game, every game before the game, there is uh, a person of the club that go with the media and, uh, and then uh, has to uh, answer many questions. I think that for us, uh, I should be could be really really uh, better because otherwise uh, and uh, we put uh, every time uh, our face on there is only one face to explain other situation that I think maybe is better also the club to come here to explain I mean it's fascinating you can always guarantee that Antonio Conte is going to give you a line which is going to spark some sort of debate um he he probably has got a point, hasn't he, Scott, in that uh, Fabio Paratici, who is the director of football and responsible for bringing players in, and, and and Daniel Levy, should really communicate with the fans and tell them how much money they've got to spend or why they haven't spent the money or what it is they're looking to do going forward, what the strategy is. And is that a, it, it, should that be a trade secret? Should you should you not communicate that with people? Or, 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 or is it something that you should be able to sort of express, this is our vision? Sam, the day that Daniel Levy sits in front of a press conference, please, please text me, call me, come round my house, knock on my door, tell me that he's about to do it because he ain't going to do that, is he? But you're right in terms of just communication. Why not, you know, tell the fans? But again, he hasn't done it. He hasn't done it for years. I said, were you crookie when I was in the White and Jordan? He's an incredible businessman and his remit is not necessary to win trophies. It's just to make money. You know, the moment his remit is to win trophies and he gets paid seven, eight million pounds per trophy or whatever, I think things will change. But that's not what he is about. So Antonio Conte, look, for me, it's never going to happen. But that tells me just how big the divide is between him and the hierarchy. And wow, you know, that 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 that's massive. You know, we'll wait and see what happens in January. And if nothing happens... I can't see the Spurs side finishing top four. I'm Mike Scott right. I mean, I, I think in principle, and Antonio Conte has a point. Um, you know, we don't hear in this country from sporting directors anywhere near enough. And if you look at how the media and the relationship with the hierarchy of football clubs is in Italy and Spain and, and, and Germany, they're a lot more transparent. I remember actually being called to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium um, for a, a press launch when the government were introducing safe standing. And... Daniel Levy's name was on the list of people made available for interview. And I thought, well, this is a, this is a huge opportunity, not least because it was mid-transfer window. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I get a text message from the Tottenham press officer on the morning. Oh, that was a mistake. Daniel Levy is not available for interview. <laughs> you can speak to our safety officer. So uh, <laughs> that tells you all you need to know about how much steward. Daniel Levy <laughs> wants to engage with the media. Funnily enough, the safety officer couldn't tell me if they were going to sign Jed Spence. Or not. Um, so I think there's definitely a point there from Antonio Conte, but he isn't making it from a position of strength. They've just been hammered in the North mm. London derby. A lot of Spurs fans are unhappy with his style of play. Um, I think they'll get beat Tottenham by Manchester City, and I think they'll get beat well. Ooh, and I agree okay. with Scott. I, I don't think they're going to finish in the top four. I don't think they're going to be particularly big spenders in January. And I don't think Antonio Conte will be there come the start of next season. You would have said that at the end of last year as well. I just think he's a guy that thrives on conflict. And if he's not fighting anyone, he's not interested. Um, but you said just then, 
I think they're going to get beaten. I think they're going to get well beaten on Thursday night live on TalkSport when they play uh, Manchester City. And all the stats would sort of suggest that that is the case, Scott. Tottenham have trailed at halftime in six of their last eight Premier League matches, which tells you they are incredibly slow starters. Anybody who's watched Tottenham knows that they are just absolutely dreadful at the beginning of games. They invite teams onto them, which is a real mistake if you're playing against Arsenal. Super mistake if you're playing against Arsenal. A massive mistake if you're playing against Manchester City and you uh, in, decide to employ that MO again. So let's have your predictions just very quickly because we've got loads of games to move on to. Scott, what is the result going to be? Yeah, it's going to be a City win and I think they'll win by a couple of goals. Okay, Alex Crook, just clarify what you said. I think they'll get well beaten. I think they'll probably be 2-0 down at half-time again and they will concede a third in the second half when they're chasing the game. I think Tottenham will win this game. I think they will nick it 1-0 or they'll come back and win it 2-1 or something like that. They have just unbelievable powers of recovery against Manchester City. They have won four of their last five meetings. And I, I don't understand what it is about Manchester City that brings the best out of Tottenham. But there is something. He's got, they, they've got something over Pep Guardiola for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. Anyway, um, but after that one's finished, we move on to the weekend. And the weekend is absolutely banging. Arsenal-Manchester United to talk about. That's going to be a huge game. Could be pivotal in the title race. Liverpool take on Chelsea in the battle for... A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Chelsea are in crisis. Questions will now be asked. If Graham Potter is out of his debt. People right, rightly focus on, on the points and it's easier to put pressure on people there. After a dreadful run of form, Chelsea are back to winning ways. They're big boys. This is a long game. This is, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And Mason Mount comes up with the opening goal. We all know he can do better than this. All this stuff about, oh, he's gone to a big club. I think he can deal with the egos. He, he genuinely can. Liverpool utterly atrocious. Sensational Brighton three. Dismal Liverpool nil. If nobody tells me, I have no go. So that means maybe there's a point where we have to change other stuff. Is this the time where Liverpool need a new voice? Are the players not responding to him? Salah! And Mo Salah scores for Liverpool! No two English teams have clashed more often in the last 21 years than Liverpool and Chelsea. There is no mistake from Kai Havertz! 
Chelsea off and running. Nunez arrives and scores for Liverpool. It is a rivalry that has come of age. Liverpool Chelsea is live on Talksport at 12:30. Uh, two teams that have. Uh, Oh, man, struggled badly. I mean, the one thing about Liverpool on uh, Tuesday night, and I was at Molyneux on Tuesday night, was that they competed, they worked, they were intense, they were fierce, they were in the faces of their opponents, much better on the front foot. Um, still lacking a little bit of quality, didn't create a great deal of chances. Obviously, they didn't play Nunez, who was injured, and uh, Mo Salah only came on late in the second half. I thought Wolves did okay, actually competing in, in, in the first two-thirds of the pitch and then didn't really have the ability to convert their chances. Towards the end, they had a number of great opportunities to nick a draw in that game. Um, but Liverpool, I think, probably need to think about using some of those younger players, especially in the midfield area, some of those with legs. I mean, Cater got around the place. Thiago was brilliant. You know, I, you know, I even quite like... Uh, Bajsetic in the middle of the park. There's just a little bit more energy in there, Scott, and that is where they have been lacking this season. Absolutely. Look, look, you know, he's talked about a reset and the bigger picture is where does he go here? Because he's been all about intensity, hasn't he, uh, since he's come to Liverpool and even before then. And if he does want to keep up that kind of way, then I don't see Ruben Neves as, as, as classy a player as he is, the, the, the Liverpool player that has been of the last few years. In the short term... Absolutely. I mean, they were just shocking against Brighton. They were outpressed. They didn't get tight. But we've seen that time and time again, haven't we, this season, where the, the back four just are, are not playing well. I mean, Trent is one of the most talented players this country has, footballers, this country has ever produced. And yet, boy, is he not a defender. You know, Interestingly, though, because I thought it was weird that James Milner um, came in and uh, played in that match last night and then got taken off after about an hour. And I was thinking, why are they taking him off after an hour? Uh -huh. Is it because of his injury? And then I thought, you know what? Keeping Maybe he's fresh. taking him off because he's going to play him on Saturday. I, personally speaking, I think um, Andy Robertson has lost out a lot. I think it's been said about, you know, sort of Marnie down that side. I'd play them as wingbacks. I don't, Trent needs protection behind him. He's just not a right back. It's as simple as that. But in answer to your question in the short term for this particular game, he's got to do a, a combination. He's got to, he's got to, you can't just go out again as, as much as Chelsea are going through the doldrums at the moment. You can't just suddenly say, right, we're going to play exactly the same team. There needs to be certain players that, that will be coming back in. But in terms of the intensity that they brought, that's what they've missed all season. So if they can keep that, bottle that, and take that into the next game, using those midfielders that you said, I thought Thiago ran around more than I've ever seen him run around, then actually go with that again. So, yeah, the intensity thing is the big thing for me with Liverpool, both in the short term and looking ahead to the medium to long term. Uh, Thiago was the best player on the pitch, or wasn't he, on uh, Tuesday night? He was absolutely terrific. He's a super talent. They made eight changes for that game. I wonder whether or not some of those young players will stick in the team the game against Chelsea. And by the way, if you are Liverpool, you are going through the doldrums, you're having a terrible run. You've won for the first time in four matches. It was a narrow victory over Wolverhampton Wanderers. Is there anybody better to play right now, Alex, <laughs> than Chelsea? I was going to say that. I think uh, even with all the problems that we've highlighted and Liverpool were dreadful um, on Saturday, the worst Liverpool performance I've seen 
since they became good, if that makes sense. You're going back to the sort of, you know, early to mid-1990s when Roy Evans was manager to see a Liverpool team that bad. Uh, but Chelsea in an even worse state at the moment, as you say, maybe a bit fortunate to beat Crystal Palace. I think if Liverpool and I think some of those players may well have played their way into the starting lineup, uh, play with the same kind of intensity and urgency and legs that they did against Wolves, I think Chelsea could be in trouble again. Obviously, no Jao Felix, so um, you know that's a, a big blow for them. Madrid just will buy somebody else debut. between now and well, then, mate. Don't I was worry say, about it. The way that Graham Potter's luck is going, Madrid will make his debut and suffer a serious injury because, you know... Don't say that. Well, I do feel sorry for Graham Potter because everything he touches does the opposite to turning to gold. You know, you've got so many players out. Jao Felix was having a really good debut, as you'll testify, Sam, against Fulham. Then he gets himself sent off. Um, So Graham Potter can't buy a break at the moment. And this is not an ideal game for Chelsea, not by any stretch of the imagination. Chelsea are sort of collecting those sort of number 10 players, though, aren't they? When they actually need a decent midfielder, a proper enforcer in the middle of the park to help with it. They, 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 like Liverpool, need legs in that midfield. Kovacic is probably their best midfield player. They haven't really got anyone to play alongside him. Jorginho is just so slow and ponderous on the ball. He always will give it away and he'll get pressed and he doesn't like being pressed. It's just too much for him. Um, Conte's just, you know, he's never fit. And stop worrying about Conte. He's never going to be fit anymore. That's just, that, that's over. Move on. Find somebody else. Um, and they are the lowest scorers in the top 10, despite all these wonderful creative players, they've got no one to finish it off. So that's another area of the field that they need someone. 22 goals in 19 games. I mean, but Scott, let's be completely clear. If Chelsea can't score against this Liverpool defence, they'll <laughs> never score against anyone. <laughs> do, do you know the, the, the worry for me is that Chelsea again try to play this passing game when Liverpool's Achilles heel is, is to kind of like the ball Speed. over the top. Absolutely. <laughs> Run the channels, ball over the top, you know. Um, so they, they they need to play that a certain way. I mean, did I see Ziyech have a good game? What? At, at, at Stamford Bridge against uh, Palace. Did you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he had a good game. Um, Crikey, they could probably cash in now and get a couple <laughs> of million quid for him then. You know, and you talk about energy. I thought Conor Gallagher played well as well. And, and he's someone for me who everywhere he's gone on loan has been arguably their best player. And yet, He's still, and understandably so at Chelsea, I feel, still trying to establish himself even when he's playing. He, he runs around, but he, he doesn't have that composure. And just in the last few times I've seen him play in a Chelsea shirt, he seems to have that composure, the mixture of the composure on the ball, whereas also the intensity uh, without the ball as well. So I'd like to see him play. You say about the best time for Liverpool to play Chelsea. I don't think there's a better time to play Liverpool either. I really don't. You know, you can say that about both of them. So if this for me is an absolute 50-50 one um, and I, I'm, I'm not quite sure which way it's going to go, but they looked a bit more solid, a little bit more solid at the back. Uh, Chelsea, even though Palace did have some chances to score, I, I think the only thing we're guaranteed here is goals, isn't it? Sam is absolutely petrified of this fixture. Look at his face. <laughs> I'm not petrified. I just know what the result's going to be. Liverpool's going to win. It's, 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 no, it's, have the faith, it's, it's Sam. Obvious. It is obvious. I'm sorry. If, and and I, I'm Scott, you're doing your very best to be positive here. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying 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 to sort of you know, curry favour with with your with your, with your Chelsea fans. We know that you're an, you know you're poster boy of <laughs> of, of, of of SW6. But look, <laughs> let's just be completely honest about it. Defensively, Chelsea have got no chance of keeping them out, and they ain't going to outscore them. So 
it's you know okay so Liverpool are gonna get three points Chelsea Let's see. You know, actually Conor Gallagher like you know who's been linked with Crystal Palace you know he probably would have finished higher in the Premier League if he'd gone to Crystal Palace you never know <laughs> um talking of 50 50 games West Ham versus uh Everton I'm just depressed uh West Ham versus Everton um every week poor old Frank Lampard walks into another version of El Sacchio um david moyes is up against this week but david moyes has actually overtaken frank as the favorite to be sacked next will either manager survive if there is a defeat for one or other of them here crook i actually think frank lampard is probably still on more stable ground um than david moyes because crucially the everton fans as we know are directing their ire towards the owners and not the manager i think he's still got the backing uh, of the goodison park faithful which i think will help him along the way. I think in terms of David Moyes... Is that Moyes, the only reason he's survived? Because they know that the uh, background to Everton's demise is not solely down to the manager. He has been basically coaching with one arm and probably one leg behind his back. I think so. And I think also there's a financial implication, as there is with West Ham, actually. You know, it's going to be uh, big money if either of these clubs decides to part company with their manager. I think there's a reluctance on behalf of the West Ham board to sack David Moyes. I think if they lose this game, they will know they have no choice because their form for a long time now, going back to last year, has been so poor that the fans are asking for a change. I think conversations have taken place with various out-of-work managers to see if they would be willing to come in on a firefighter basis until the end of the season. I don't see West Ham as being in relegation danger. and Maybe I'm being naive there. I, I, I just think they're going to pick up victories and haul themselves away. I'm much more worried about Everton, but I think this game is uh, much more terminal for David Moyes if, if West Ham lose. You do know that three teams go down, don't you? <laughs> or just one? Just I do, one. yeah. Okay, cool. Right, because, you know, and, and you know West Ham are actually in the relegation zone right now, halfway I know, through the season. I know it's a big claim. I just don't see them in the championship next season. Okay, but if they don't start winning games, then that's where they will be. Go on, Scott. No, uh, who, who would come in? You know, because a, a Poch or, a, or two calls not going to come in. So, what type of people are they are they looking at? Benitez. He's, He's certainly one that's too. been mentioned, and I believe has been sounded out. I, I I like Rafa as a person. I really do. No one could argue what he's done and his CV, but, but it's a West, little bit long in the tooth. The West Ham fans Rafa won't have Rafa. Stick. Yeah, because it's gonna he's gonna come in try and set them up to be really hard to beat. Nothing really going forward. It's gonna it's not gonna be the, is that how you're gonna get out of relegation? Let, let me let, let me tell you right. So so the the way to get out of relegation is exactly what Everton did last year, which was somehow rely on your fans. In other words, not have that toxic uh, atmosphere where you're walking out and you're thinking the moment I make a bad pass, the fans are going to be on top of me. Okay, so you that that initially comes from the manager picking the right team. I'm not saying you should pick a team that that the fans demand, but because the managers see what the the, the fans don't see on a daily basis. But you cannot have going out th- this toxic atmosphere, and that's why both West Ham and Everton, if you look at the squad, shouldn't be where they are, but they are where they are. And I don't blame the fans in any way whatsoever, but for Everton. How many managers have they had? Good managers. And then they, they haven't lasted long for whatever reason. Are they really going to go to the next manager, to the next manager, to the next manager, season after season? You know, that, that club, for a very long time, an incredible club, is, is, is deep-rooted the problems, what's gone on. And we've touched on it before and the amount of misspent money um, that, that doesn't seem to be able to be turning around. 
In terms of West Ham, and obviously I have a, a, a big soft spot for West Ham, the crowd there are incredibly passionate. And if you get the wrong man in, it's going to be worse than it was under David Moyes. So, look, for me, in terms of West Ham, I think David Moyes does have a lot to answer for. I think he has picked the wrong team at times. I think Saeed Ben-Rama has been one of best West Ham's best players, and yet he's got a reluctance to pick them. I think he has relied too much in the way that perhaps Jurgen Klopp has relied on, on his faithful uh, players. He's relied too much on his. He hasn't got the best out of Pakita at the moment. He hasn't got the best out of Skamaka. Mikel Antonio seems to be a shadow of the player, as does Jared Bowen. But a, lo a lot of that is the responsibility of the players as well. Everyone talks about the manager, the manager, the manager. The players need to take responsibility. They're nowhere near where they should be. So, look, I, I don't think any manager, either of these two managers, is going to get sacked, whoever loses. But, boy, the pressure will be piled on them. Southampton against Villa is live on TalkSport 2 on Saturday afternoon. Three wins in a row for Nathan Jones, albeit two in the cup. But can he keep them up now? Because three teams go down, Crook. Listen, it's difficult, um, but they're having a real go in the transfer market. They're still trying to get themselves a, a number nine. A lot of clubs are looking for a goal scorer at this window. I still think that's a missing piece in the jigsaw as far as Southampton are concerned. But that felt like a real game-changing victory against Everton because as much as they were impressive against Manchester City in the League Cup, that would have counted for little had they gone to Goodison Park and lost to do it from behind. I think showed great character. And I'm going to give Nathan Jones a bit of credit here because I've given him a fair amount of stick so far. The decision to play James Ward-Prowse in that number 10 role in a more advanced position has been genius. It's bringing the best out of James Ward-Prowse. Um, it's allowing him to be a real leader on and off the pitch. And I think what they're looking for now also this window is a more experienced number six to go in and play alongside Romeo Lavia. So they have a plan Southampton, whether it will be good enough to get them out of trouble, I don't know. This is a, a big opportunity to make it back-to-back -back wins in the Premier League. They've not done that very often. Only if you are being analysed by Crook the Critic can you go from being a manager who should be sacked to a genius in 10 days. It is quite amazing. Um, four wins and six for Aston Villa. I, I don't know how they managed to beat Leeds on Friday night, but um, they I, I've seen them a couple of times and I thought they were dreadful against Wolverhampton Wanderers as well. Uh, one player I haven't mentioned who I really wanted to mention when I was talking earlier on, and when we get to Wolves, I'll mention it. M remind me, Matthias Nunez, who was brilliant in the game against Aston Villa and he was brilliant when he came off the bench against Liverpool. He's a great find and Pep it, it talks about him a lot and I just wonder whether or not they'll keep hold of him this window. Um, Villa... I'm not entirely sure about Aston Villa yet. They they they're a sort of hodgepodge of of a team. They don't create loads of chances. They're not going to score loads of chances. They they're not brilliant defensively. I, I don't know. I'm a bit worried about that. I mean, look, they're going to be okay, but they're just going to be okay. But I suppose maybe okay is going to be all right for this season. We'll see what happens next year. Uh, Bournemouth against Nottingham Forest. A busy week for Bournemouth in the transfer window, looking to bring back Dan Juma. Um, will it be enough to, to turn their wretched form around? Because they have been absolutely in dreadful form. I mean, they I mean, what, they lost the last six in a row. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. And uh, you know, you talk about the fans' relationship with managers. A lot of fans already have turned on Gary O'Neill, which seems a bit harsh. You know, considering that yeah, they're trying to be busy in the transfer market, but they've still not recruited the volume of players 
at this point than they will have by the end of the window. But this, again, feels like a, a defining game because Forest, as much as they've improved at home, I think they're still a bit flaky on the road. I think this is an opportunity for Bournemouth just to steady the ship because they're not in the bottom three at the moment. They're still one place above the dotted line, but they are sinking like the proverbial stone. They've got injury issues as well. My understanding is that neither Lewis Cook or Dominic Solanke are going to be back in the short term. So that may also change the way that Bournemouth are dealing with this transfer window. They've got Dango Watara coming in from Lorient, hopefully in time to make his debut, but he's quite a raw talent, so not necessarily someone who can be banked on to keep them up this season. Dan Juma would be a huge statement of intent because there are a lot of other clubs in for him as well. And, and he's he's got talent, hasn't he? Uh, maybe not always the the attitude and application, but they're certainly a talented player there. And they just need a bit of a bit of a lift, these Bournemouth fans, and probably Gary O'Neill and the players themselves, because they look like a group of players who are a bit lost at the moment. They need goals because they've lost uh, five of those six games that I mentioned since the World Cup without scoring, which is a real problem. If you're not scoring goals, you're going to uh, find yourself in serious uh, trouble. Well, earlier on the season, when these two met, it finished 3-2, and Nottingham Forest looked like they were going to win the game, and Bournemouth came back and managed to secure all three points. But that sort of fighting spirit, that sort of amount of goal output is certainly a distant memory, Scott. Absolutely. And um, first of all, I've got to say, I think it's disgraceful that if the fans are turning on Gary O'Neill. I mean, I said to Crookie, I worked with you, Crookie, didn't I, when Scotty Parker was um, first game of the season against Villa. And I said, if Scotty Parker keeps him up, he should be manager of the season. you know. And I, I see them finishing bottom, not just going down. And then Gary took over, and obviously there was that that new manager bounce. And I'm telling you now, if Gary O'Neill keeps Bournemouth up, and we'll see in terms of the amount of money he's spent in January, but as it stands, if he keeps them up, he should be up there with Mikel Arteta and Eddie Howe in, in terms of ma- manager of the season. Um, but it this is a massive worry. They Look, all competitions, played 6-1-6, six, six, scored two, conceded 14. And that too was against Burnley in the FA Cup. So in terms of the league, they haven't scored in the last five matches and they've conceded 10. So it's not just scoring goals, it's conceding as well. They need an absolute overhaul and it's not going to happen. I, I, I worried for them all the way through and I do now, but please don't have a go at Gary O'Neill because I know for a fact he's he's working all the hours God sends. And I'm telling you now, Pep Guardiola would struggle to keep Bournemouth up this season. Um, Brendan Rodgers might keep, struggle to keep Leicester City up. They take on Brighton this weekend. Leicester have been awful since the World Cup. They were awful before uh, the, the the World Cup. Had a little blip just before the tournament uh, where they seem to put a couple of wins together. But then they've gone the other way again and finances are a real problem at the club. They haven't made uh, another signing. I mean, it, it looks a bit of a mess behind the scenes again at Leicester. And, and because of the problems that Frank Lampard's having, Gary O'Neill's having, David Moyes is having, Brendan Rodgers not really the topic of conversation. Uh, but I, I'm sure that if they were to lose to Brighton, that may well be um, the subject come Monday morning, Crook. And I think they will lose to Brighton. <laughs> if Brighton play as well as they did against Liverpool last weekend, I give Leicester very little chance, even at home. Four defeats in a row for Brendan Rodgers, two points above the relegation place. There's no sign, as you say, of any significant signings this window. I think they like Nicolas uh, Gonzalez, but whether they'll pay the £30 million fee, uh, I'm not convinced. And I would worry for Leicester because you look at the teams below them. Wolves are having a real go in the transfer market. I think they'll be fine under Lopetegui. Bournemouth are trying their best in the, in the market. West Ham will bring in players. Everton, all right. I mean, they look like an absolute car crash at the moment. Southampton are signing players. And I think Leicester are in danger if they don't revamp the squad of sleepwalking 
into a relegation battle. And I don't think we'd have predicted that at the start of the season. Okay, okay. So so now we've established that three teams go down. What, <laughs> what You've just listed a load of teams that are having a go and going to get out of it. So who is actually going to go down from in your point, you know, in your in your viewpoint, Crook? As we sit here now, and I've, I, Scott will know I've been reluctant to say this over the course of the season, but I, I think it's hard to make a case for Bournemouth staying up, depending on what happens between now and the end of the window. I think Everton will go. Uh, crikey. I would have said Southampton, but I mean, I've been impressed with what they're trying to do in the market. The third team, I think, is between Southampton, Leicester and Leeds, possibly West Ham. Mm. You've listed five teams. <laughs> I know Scott got in trouble for doing that earlier in the season, but it changes, as Scott has said publicly. It changes. In, You're joking. I'll tell you the one, the well, one team I think will definitely go season, down. It changes. It'll, the one team I think will definitely go down, and I predicted this at the start of the season, and you laughed yeah. me out of town, yeah. Everton. Yeah, Everton won't go wow. down. I think it'll be Southampton, Bournemouth, and Leicester. Oh, Scott. So, so I, I have had this discussion with another top sport presenter about how, you know, you make predictions now, and two weeks earlier would have been different. In two weeks' time, it could be different. That's I'll go with two. It, Scott, that's the I'll fun go- of it. I'll go with two teams, Sam, that you've mentioned, Southampton and Bournemouth. Um, I can't pick another third at this moment in time, and that will change literally on a game-by-game basis because we were almost nailing on Forest less than two weeks ago. Sorry? You weren't? You weren't? Okay, you you were the only person... You were the only person in my life, Sam Matthewface. Crook, when did I tell you that they were going to stay up? September. Okay. September. Okay. You're the only person, because even my dog has been telling me, look, Forrest are down, well, Scott. Your dog was wrong. Your dog never went to Nottingham Forest versus Liverpool. That was the key. That performance, the way they played during that game, I thought, I can see how you're going to get out of it. No, that's not that's not what keeps you up, Sam, games against Liverpool, because you're always no. going to be up at games like that. It's it's games like, like you know, they actually have been winning in the last few weeks. So don't, don't, don't they don't pick on the guy who's come up with the best prediction of the whole season. <laughs> uh, the method is not important here. It's the result, right? Okay, I'm doing a crookie. That, I told you so. To be fair to what, <laughs> what I would say is what I would say is about, about Forrest as a club, when it looked like they were really struggling, 23 players, Steve Cooper didn't know who to, to play, the changes being made. What did the owner do? He gave him a new contract. And he yeah, said, I think that was the CEO. I'm not necessarily sure that the owner is as patient as we're making. Well, the out. the owner has to sign it off, Sam. So, yes, yes, so yes. I my, think the my... CEO's done a really good job as a buffer between the owner. Absolutely, and, the, uh, and, the, and, the and don't get me wrong. If if it, you know, with ten games to go, they're five points to drift. He's getting sacked, Steve Cooper. You know, so that contract won't mean anything. It just means to get a bigger payout. But it was a statement to the fans, to the players. This guy is here. Listen to what he's got to say. He's got the authority, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Yep, talking of good coaches, uh, Newcastle United take on Palace at 5.30 on Saturday night, and Eddie Howe churning out the kind of results a top four side certainly do. Last-minute winner against Fulham, not conceding goals. Isaac is back fit, and he looked absolutely superb on Sunday. I was so impressed with him. Really good goal as well. Great fall for Callum Wilson. I think he'll start. I don't know how they're going to get him into the team, but I think he will start the game against uh, Crystal Palace. Right, let's move on to Sunday's big match. The Premier League's greatest rivalry finally back with two of the league's most informed teams. That's what it says here. 
on my running order. Uh, Arsenal against Manchester United at 4.30 on Sunday. I thought I could deserve a big voiceover, bearing in mind it is two iconic teams of the Premier League era clashing at the Emirates Stadium. Manchester United's record is absolutely dreadful at the Emirates. The last league win there was 2017. I think I was there for that. Was that the game where they counter-attacked um, Arsenal to within an inch of their life? And did, did uh, Lingard and Pogba score in that game? I think they did. I can't, I can't remember offhand, but I, I, I'm sure that that was the Jose Mourinho counter-attacking match. I think you're right. Uh, is that the way had... that they're going to uh, approach this one? Well, they've had a fair bit of success counter-attacking away from They certainly Arsenal. have. We all remember that iconic Champions League semi-final as well. Um, this is a tough game for Manchester United. No two ways about it. Uh, the record at Arsenal, as you said, is poor. They were probably a bit fortunate. I'll admit it now. I didn't at the time to win the, the home game. Uh, Arsenal's only league defeat. And the Emirates has become a fortress for Arsenal, whereas previously those fans uh, maybe could be used against them. There is such a, a feel-good factor. They're all backing Arteta, they're all backing this young group of players. I think if Manchester United come away with a point, I'd be quite happy. I think it's a, it's a really difficult game. And again, a barometer of how far they've come under Eric Ten Hag. I don't think they'll get blown away in the way that Tottenham did. But I think, again, they're going to have to soak up a lot of pressure and maybe use those counter-attacking qualities again. Yeah, I was at the previous game between these two at Old Trafford and Arsenal had a goal, probably a legitimate goal, uh, scrubbed off early on in that game. And that sort of turned the tide, or certainly helped turn the tide. Uh, and Arsenal's home form is particularly impressive. They've taken 31 points of a possible 33 at the Emirates uh, this season. And they weren't blown off course, I think, significantly by that defeat at Old Trafford. They got back on the horse. They continued their terrific run and their approach to the Premier League. And they are rightly top of the table. They're just a superb... If you're neutral, Sam, they're the team you want to watch this season. Uh, and Mikel Arteta, what he's done, you know, it just looks like now... They're such a well-oiled machine that they just are brilliant to watch. They're, they're Man City of last season and, and, and of previous seasons. You know, look at their what record. What makes them so good? They're, they're, they're just as good without the ball as they are with the ball. And without the ball, they suffocate teams. So you look at the opponents they're playing against. They're not able to play their own game. So when you look up and suddenly you've got pressure on you like they have, and the Webby Zinchenko just moves into midfield and everyone pushes up further up, there's a higher press. You're not allowed to play your game. And then when they have the ball themselves, as I say, Zinchenko moves into midfield, Zaka moves up, Saka out on the right-hand side. My goodness, is he one of the most informed players along with Marcus Rashford right now? So it's going to be fantastic to see how, how those two play. You've got Odegaard, who is just as silky as, 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 as it comes. Um... They're the best team in the country right now. This is a massive statement. Again, this is their only defeat they've had so far this season. That was against Manchester United, where I do think they were the better side. They did bounce back. I feel if United, and maybe we shouldn't be talking about United in terms of the title race, but we don't yet know how they got on against Palace, but let's assume let's assume that they, that they did get a win. They need to win again here if they want to be in the title race, because if Arsenal do beat them, that's United out of it. Now, I'm not saying that they should be in it, but this is a big statement game again for Arsenal. Um, yes. But they, every every hurdle they're, they're, they're coming up against, Sam, they're getting over the top. And I said they've got five league games after the World Cup. They've been brilliant. You know, the draw against Newcastle, nothing to be d- disgraced about there. And they've got City mid-February. I, if things go well for them, then I will turn rounds and not just say, can they win? But they will win the Premier League title. 
Um, they're almost jumping over all the hurdles. The only hurdle they've sort of maybe not managed to get over was getting uh, Mikhailo Mudrik over the line um, in the transfer market. But do they actually really need anyone this month? The squad looks very settled. Everyone seems to be firing on all cylinders, Crook. Well, squad depth is still an issue. You know, they've been very lucky um, with injuries. Take away Gabriel Jesus. They've had most of their better players available all season. I think if you look at the options off the bench, and we saw it actually in that game, against Newcastle, the Scots alluded to, Mikel Arteta didn't make any attacking subs, even at 0-0, because he clearly didn't have faith that those in reserve could come on and make a big difference. So they are still looking into the market. I guess you have to applaud them in one way for not being held to ransom uh, over Mudrich, but uh, he was their top target, so it's very much plan B. And the trouble they've got is that everybody knows that they have money to spend because they were willing to spend, what, um, £80 million to include add-ons on that player. So all of a sudden, whoever they come for, the price tag will rocket, I'd imagine. Uh, Leeds against Brentford is another Sunday game. Two wins in 17 prior to the midweek uh, game against Cardiff in the FA Cup. Uh, They need to start picking up some wins. No point playing well if it leads to nothing. Uh, Bamford scored in that game against Aston Villa last Friday night, but they need to start putting the ball. Well, they need a striker that puts the ball in there, apart from Rodrigo, who's done quite well for for Jesse Marsh, but it's at the other end where they just leak so many goals. I mean, they just, it's chaos, the chaos football. And against Brentford, you can imagine it is going to be chaos because the ball's going to be lumped into the box by Brentford. Leeds are going to try and defend it probably badly. Then if they do escape, then they'll go down the other end, leave themselves exposed. It'll be, I mean, it could be a terrific match, couldn't it, Leeds against Brentford? It really could. Uh, especially bearing in mind that prior to the game against Cardiff, the last four home games at Ellen Road had, had, had yielded 20 goals. That's five per game. Impressive. Uh, Manchester City Wolves is also on Sunday. Uh, Wolves have been generally um, on the up since Lopetegui walked in the door. He is quite a... Um, uh, he's quite a, quite, a, quite a lively character, uh, character on the uh, on the touchline. They've just got to get more bodies in the box. And I think they will do that. Now they've got uh, Cunha, they've got um, uh, Sarabia, who's joined and on a two and a half year deal. They've got uh, obviously Jimenez coming back to form. Actually, I thought he he looked a little bit more like Raúl Jimenez during that game against Liverpool, occupying defenders. I just think if they can do that, they can start getting a few goals here and there, then they will be. Okay, although scoring them against Manchester City, not going to be easy. Um, We've told you about Crystal Palace, Manchester United and Manchester City, Tottenham. Both live games are on TalkSport Wednesday and Thursday. On Saturday, game day returns with Liverpool against Chelsea. That's exclusive to TalkSport 12.30. And then game day live takes you round the grounds from the London Stadium. Uh, We'll keep you up to date with everything that happens, West Ham, Everton, but also Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest, whilst on two, Southampton take on Aston Villa. And then we've got a Monday night football upcoming as well. Fulham against Tottenham in the Premier League is 8 o'clock on Monday night. It's a busy weekend on TalkSport. When is it not? Um, We're in the middle of nine days of straight live football. Scott Minto, thank you very much. Pleasure. Uh, Alex Crook, thank you very much. Hopefully by the next time we see you, you'll have your beard back. and unsettling (laughs) looking at your face without any hair. Fingers crossed. My my wife hates it, by the way, the new shaven looks. We'll see you later on. Thank you very much for downloading the podcast from TalkSport. It's the Game Day podcast. We're back with you uh, early next week. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. 
be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.